Well, I'm, I'm delighted to be here, and no, I won't show you pictures of my granddaughter. Well, maybe, uh, no. Um, I do have a few, though, in case you're interested later. Uh, I'm delighted to be speaking about music to you. I, I must confess that I, I was a little anxious about the fact that my name is Randy Newman, and I'm close to L.A., and, and, and I love L.A., I do, but I'm not that Randy Newman. So if some of you were hoping for that guy to sing, I love L.A., and you've got a friend in me, I apologize now. I, I set up a, a website a couple of years ago, and I wanted to make sure that I was distinguished from that guy, so mine was randydavidnewman.com. But even so, I got lots and lots of emails from people who love L.A. and love my music and want me to help them get their music published. And One guy um, was not very happy with the fact that, that Randy Newman wrote a song called Short People, which, if you know it, sounds like it could be making fun of short people. This guy let me know he was five foot six. That song ruined his life. I saw more profanity in one email than I can ever remember. One guy wrote me an email and asked if I would be willing to come sing. You've got a friend in me at his daughter's wedding. And he said he was a man of means and could make it worth my while. I said, yes. Are you kidding? Uh, but I felt the need to tell him, you know, who I really was, and then that didn't happen. So uh, apologies to the Randy Newman fans. I do want to talk about music, though, and how it enhances our life and why it's such a big deal in our life. But before I even start talking about it, let's just listen to a piece of music and, tell, and, and let you enjoy two minutes' worth of music. Um, you can't help but applaud, right? Um, that's an instrumental version of an aria, O mio bambino caro, by Puccini. 
And um, I, I was in a bookstore not too long ago, uh, a used bookstore, and when I go into a used bookstore, I'm on a mission. I want to see every possible title I can in the shortest amount of time, so I'm making progress reading, and all of a sudden, that piece of music came on, and I just stopped, and I was frozen, and... And I looked around to see who else was in the store, because when you're, when you're in the presence of beauty, you want to share it, don't you? And the only other person in the store was the woman working behind the counter as the, uh, uh, taking uh, money, and she, she just looked across the store and she said, it takes you to another world, doesn't it? M music um, uh, exposes us to beauty, it, it awakens us to beauty, it points us outward and upward, it, it suggests that there's far more to us than just molecules. Um, music theorists wrestle with how do you define music, and the only place they ever seem to agree is music is organized sound. How remarkably disappointing. Really? That's the best you could come up with for something as beautiful as this? Um, and so m music is this pointer to the other. It's, this, it's a lifter of our soul so that there's more. There's got to be more. Leonard Bernstein said about Beethoven's music, Beethoven leaves us with the feeling that something is right in the world, that something checks throughout, something that follows its own laws consistently, something we can trust that will never let us down. I'm struck that music is so very often unnecessary, and yet it's inescapable. It, music does more than it has to. That, that, uh, that aria, when it comes in the, in the opera, it's, it's a point where a young woman is saying how much she loves this man and she's begging her father to let, him, let her go to him. And the lyrics are, are just rather simple. Oh, my dear father, I like him. He's so very handsome. Please let me go. The, the words don't necessarily accomplish that much, but that piece of music is just stunning. Music fights against reductionism. There's so much in our world that says you're only what you do for a living, or you're only um, your particular hobby, or music is only organized sound, or, or art is just um, a paint on a canvas, and there's something in us that rebels against that, and music helps us rebel against reductionism. There's more to life. There's, there's, there's so much meaning that music makes us think about. It's amazing how many different philosophers who would categorize themselves not necessarily as religious in any way say such very, very lofty religious things about music. Um, Friedrich Nietzsche, philosopher, who pretty heavy-duty philosophy stuff. He said, without music, life would be a mistake. Now, I don't know how many of you read Nietzsche, but if you read him for very long, you think he really thought life was a mistake. Um, and yet for him to say, without music, life would be a mistake. Robert Greenberg, a music historian, says, music offers us spiritual truth, extraordinary beauty and drama, an expressive rightness and precision beyond the power of words, beyond the world of concrete things. 
Music's a very big deal in the Bible, right? Right smack in the middle of, of the Bible is a, is a collection of 150 songs to sing, the book of Psalms. And as you read through the Bible, at key moments in the history of the nation of Israel, they sang when they had celebrations of God's hand in their lives. They sang when they got through the Red Sea that God had parted after they were set free from slavery. They get to the other side, they see the, the waters cave in and punish their oppressors, and they sing. And all the way through the Bible is a commandments to sing. It's one of the, the most frequently repeated commandments, sing and make melody to the Lord. In uh, the New Testament, in the book of Ephesians, when we're told what it means to be filled with the Spirit, to have the, the, the greatest display of spiritual vitality, it says we would be singing and making melody in our heart. Um, now, I do realize this is a different kind of sermon than you might be used to. Uh, I'm going to talk about music in some very theoretical ways, and we will look at the Bible. Um, so I do understand this is unusual. I've, I've narrowed it down to only 50 points that I want to make about music. <laughs> Didn't you say that was okay? Um, I'm only going to look at three, and I've already covered one. Music awakens us to beauty. It points us outward and upward to, to think that there's more to life. Um, secondly, music can heighten a sense of tension and release. Music heightens tension and allows for release. It's something that's common to all different musics around the world. Anthropologists tell us that every culture has some kind of music. When people form together in community, it doesn't take very long for them to be together before someone starts uh, uh, tapping on something like a drum or finding something to pluck to make melody, and people make music. And one of the frequent common denominators of all different musics is tension and release. Um, some composers create the tension and release it rather quickly, like Mozart. Dun, 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 dun. Oh no, there's tension. How long are we going to have to hang on to it? Dun, 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 dun. Not very long at all. Uh, that, was, that, was, that was my best music. Okay, that, what can I say? Um, and, but, but Mozart creates tension and releases, creates and releases, and the overall effect is this de-stressing. It's this sense of, yes, the world makes sense when you listen to Mozart. In fact, there are, there are studies done of people who listen to Mozart on a regular basis have a lower level of stress. You can buy CDs and collections of Mozart specifically chosen to reduce stress in your life. There, there are CDs of Mozart specifically selected for pregnant mothers to listen to while they're pregnant so that their baby de uh, develops healthily. There are some composers who string out that tension much, much longer. Um, Sibelius, for example, you, you listen for 40 minutes of a Sibelius symphony and say, I sure hope he lands this plane. Uh, 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 Sibelius' Fifth Symphony, I think it is this magnificent, brilliant tension that only gets resolved in the last six notes. It's amazing, it's genius. It's not just classical music. I think Pat Metheny, a jazz guitarist, is a genius at creating this tension and then releasing it. And I think that this has a, a, a life-giving effect because we're supposed to feel some tension. There are things in our world that are not right, and we should be bothered by them. 
And we should long for the righting of injustice and the resolution or the relief of suffering. We should be able to feel deeply grieved about the pain in our world and deeply joyous about the good things in our world. And our world tends to have a stifling effect where we don't ever feel either one of those two extremely. And music can help awaken that. Um, that tension and release theme can also be very, very helpful in dealing with our own selves. There are things inside of us that we're proud of, and there are things in, in us that we're ashamed of. There are good things that we do that I think are the expression of the fact that God created us in his image. But there are also things that are terrible, and they are graphic displays of our fallenness, of our rebellion against God. Sometimes the display of the goodness and the display of the evil is within seconds of each other. Sometimes I can be the nicest guy and the biggest jerk within a nanosecond. And, and music that creates tension and releases it can help us feel sorrier about those bad things and more longing for those good things. Let me, let me play another piece of music for you. See if you can feel a series of tensions and release. And see if you can even hear, sometimes this composer creates the tension, you think it's going to be released, and, and he extends it a little bit longer before it's released. Let's listen. It's only about two minutes. It's tension and release. It's hard not to cry, isn't it? It's the theme from the movie Schindler's List. Uh, many people report that they watched that movie in, in horror and, and were, were, were paralyzed by seeing the displays of the evil of the Holocaust. And then at the end of the movie when they played that music, it enabled the release. 
you, you feel the tension, but then the music enables you to express things that you couldn't figure out how to express. Music helps us feel pain and sadness and grief more deeply and joy and ecstasy more fully. And we should feel those things, and we should feel them inwardly as well. The first point was music points us outward and upward because of the beauty. Music can also point us inward in a good way to reflect on the tensions in our lives. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, the the Russian novelist, um, wrote... If only it were all so simple, if only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds and it were just necessary only for us to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But he says, the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. And music can help us be honest and real about that tension and to feel the tension and the brokenness of our world more fully. Third... Music can stimulate a longing to go home. Again, musicologists study different musics of the world, and it's amazing how very often in all sorts of different genres, jazz, pop music, classical music, various different countries around the world, there is this pattern of starting a piece of music in a certain way and then finishing it the exact same way, but going away from it in the middle. And there's this... There's this coming back home at the end of the piece that is this wonderful sense of, oh, good, we came back. Um, very often it's, it's um, a statement of a theme, a repeat of a theme. You go away from the theme, and then you come back to the theme. And there's this sense of when you come back, it was, oh, I was hoping we would get there. Let me illustrate this with a, with, with a very rich, complex, uh, intellectually stimulating piece of music um, Dion's Run Around Sue. Oh, good. Uh, theme, the statement of the theme, I should have known from the very start. Repeat of the theme, this girl will leave you with a broken heart. Go away from the theme. Listen, people, what I'm telling you, I keep away from a run around. So I always think that sooner or later people are going to sing with me on that last one, but you're all just marveling that I would uh, choose this particular piece of music to illustrate this very profound, important point. Sorry, Uh, anyway, but um, I thought it was simple to follow. Um, It is amazing how often pieces of music do that. A, A, B, A. Sometimes the B section takes a long time and, and it builds this anticipation, this longing for coming back home. Uh, jazz music uh, states the theme, and then they, they'll play many variations on that theme. And so uh, the saxophonist plays that song a number of times, but all sorts of variations. And then the pianist, and then the bass player, and whoever. And, and then when they come back in and replay the song, there is this sense of yes. And if you're in a jazz club, very often when they get there, that's when people start applauding. In classical music, the theme and variation theme is very, very common. So many different composers use that. Um, Again, Robert Greenberg talking about uh, um, Bach's 
uh, Goldberg Variations, this very famous uh, classical piano piece of music. When uh, uh, Bach writes the theme and then does, I don't know, 20 plus or more different variations on that theme, when he comes back, this is what Goldberg says, in its return, even though the theme is unchanged, we now hear a world of possibilities and experience implicit with it that we could not possibly have heard at the outset of the piece. We are the wiser at this point in the piece, and the serenity and completion that the return offers are not unlike those one might feel when looking back across a long and well-lived life. A-A-B-A. It's this common human experience of we once were someplace, but we went away, and oh, how I long for coming back home. Um, one of my favorite illustrations of this, and don't worry, I won't sing it, but it's, uh, we'll play it, is Somewhere Over the Rainbow from The Wizard of Oz. You may know that Harold Arlen was the composer who wrote the music. You may not know the man's name who wrote the lyrics. Anybody know? Yip Harburg was his name. He wrote the lyrics to all of the songs in The Wizard of Oz, and he actually wrote the lyrics in dozens and dozens of other um, Broadway show tunes. He thought very deeply about the nature of music and the nature of lyrics. Listen to what he said. Words um, make you think a thought, and music makes you feel a feeling. But a song, words and lyrics together, makes you feel a thought. And is there a better illustration, I don't know if there is, of, other, of feeling that thought of going home than somewhere over the rainbow? Listen to it. Um, I don't know if you knew, um, uh, in the book, uh, The Wizard of Oz, there's no rainbow. 
There's no talk about the rainbow. It's a story, but there's no rainbow. Yip Harburg put the rainbow in The Wizard of Oz because he thought that was the song that could help people feel that thought of longing to go home. Um, I, uh, I, I love this theme because it's an important one in my own life. I, um, I, I thought music was going to be the, the thing I was looking for. I, I was raised in a religious home uh, of a Jewish uh, family, but um, Judaism didn't connect me to God the way I thought it would, and I tried all sorts of other things. And um, when I got up to college, I thought music was what I was looking for. Music was the thing that promised some kind of connection to eternal things or transcendent things. And uh, so I would go every Saturday night to the Academy of Music in downtown Philadelphia to listen to the Philadelphia Orchestra. Um, I also began every morning listening to John Coltrane's Giant Steps. That was my morning devotional in the world of jazz. Every Saturday night, the weekly worship service at the Philadelphia Academy of Music. And both were always a disappointment. No matter how beautiful the music was, it ended. Uh, I, I, I kept thinking that someday I'm going to hear the piece of music that will be it for me. I thought I found it when I first heard uh, Tchaikovsky's Swan Lake, but even before that piece was over, it had lost it because he changed from minor to major. I thought it would be in various different symphonies by Dvorak, I still love Dvorak, but, but Dvorak's symphonies ended. And then you had to leave the concert hall and go back outside. And uh, apologies to any of you from Philadelphia. If ever there is a, a rude awakening, it's the Philadelphia subway system after a beautiful concert. Uh, and so every concert, every performance was this disappointment. And uh, I remember friends telling me that I ought to read C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity. And Lewis talks about that disappointment, how everything in life has some level of disappointment, uh, whether it's music or a relationship or a job or a vacation. And he said there's really only three different ways you can respond to that. One is keep trying to find another experience, another job, another vacation, another spouse, another drug. It's exhausting and it won't work. There's another way that people respond, and that is the way of the cynic. Yeah, 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 I used to go chasing after those things. I used to go barking after the moon. Nah, nah, nah. When you, you, know, you do that when you're young, but you know, you'll run out of energy, and then you just kind of settle. And Lewis wouldn't want to buy that. Lewis said there's another way. It's the Christian way. He said it's the way that says if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. That rang true to me. And then I, then I decided to read the Gospels, the New Testament. I grew up Jewish, and we didn't have that book in our home. But friends gave me the New Testament, and I read it, and I found, yes, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for this relationship with God through Jesus, the Messiah. And so um, what happened is all those disappointments then took on a different shape. It was as if that A-A-B-A theme is, it was in my life, it was I was away, but the, long, the reason I was longing for home is because I was meant for home. There's somehow kind of this collective memory that once we were, in a sense, in the Garden of Eden where things were right, but we chose to go find our at-homeness in other things, in other gods, in other things that, that cannot possibly satisfy. 
And what we're longing for is the true God who created the world this way and will recreate it. And he has placed in our hearts a desire for that other world. I remember coming to the part in reading the New Testament where Jesus met a woman at the well in John chapter 4. It's, an un, it's, it's, a, it's a shocking scene if you understand the background. Um, Jewish people didn't go through that area. They didn't go to that city of Sychar because that's where Samaritans were. Jews had no relationships or any kind of contact with Samaritans. And Jesus was uh, considered a righteous man, but here he is now having a conversation with a woman who was probably known for not being all that righteous. Even a man talking to a woman was, was out of the cultural uh, norm. And, and the text says, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria, for Jews have no dealing with Samaritans? Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get the living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Maybe... Maybe the Bible, uh, maybe music points us to beauty because there is such a thing as beauty and we're supposed to long for it. Maybe music creates this tension and release because we're supposed to feel tension. We're supposed to feel regret about the things that we do that are wrong and we're supposed to want this release a release that was paid for by Jesus dying on the cross for those sins. And maybe, maybe music heightens a sense of longing for another world because we were created for that other world. I've come to find that music is a wonderful, wonderful gift, but it's a lousy God. It's a great second thing, but it's not a very good first thing. And there's all sorts of things we put in first that we shouldn't. Relationships, jobs, careers, accomplishments, whatever. They're good second things. They're good gifts. Jesus enables us to know God and keep him as Lord and then to enjoy these other things as second things. I commend him to you. I commend the scriptures to you. I commend C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity. May it be that God would use music in your life to point you to him as well. May I pray for us. Our Father and our God, um, Thank you for the gift of music. Thank you for the, the, the sounds that you've put together. Thank you for the people who can write and play music in ways that delight us. Um, for those of us um, who are um, here today, but we're still checking this thing out, we're, we're outsiders, would you give us the insight that we need to understand this? Would you show us how you are what we're longing for and this other world is what you've made us for? We pray this all in our Savior's name. Amen.